For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, how are you guys doing? This episode is sponsored by Manscaped, Upside, and Ghostbed. So, Woo. we talked about it yesterday. We had the southern side of the country was actually seeing a little bit of improvement for the Ukrainians. I think we're seeing uh, some stuff coming out that there's a chance, a possibility that neither side has the ability to actually sustain what's going on currently. And I'm not just saying this to the Ukrainians may not be able to sustain it. I, I do think they can actually push all the way down to Tokamak. I think that's a thing. Now down to Meltable, that's where you, where you found some stuff that's coming out from the U.S. government. I guess it's been leaked. Yeah, it it came out yesterday, man. Like, does this talk about Russia at all, or no? Oh yeah, no. I'm about to dive into. I'm going to dive into Russia's capabilities because there's a there's a couple things. One from the Institute of Study of War talking about how Russia is basically moving troops up and out from Kyrgyzstan, and you touched on it the other mm-hmm. day how they've got to move those troops up over into Kupiansk in order to sustain the fight and keep it up on that front line. Basically, that all the positions that are south of Kupiansk leading down towards Tokmak. They're manned, but lightly manned. And so all those positions that we that we look at on that map that fall in between, um, that fall in between, uh, what the hell? What do you mean? The default between, that, that fall where between Yeah, where they're at now okay. and Tokmak. So in, in between those positions, they're lightly Robotan? manned. My Robotan area? Yeah, Robotan. <laughs> Robotan <laughs> Robotan, yeah. <laughs> so in between Robotan and, uh, and Tokmak, they're lightly manned. And so if Russia is to fall back when they evacuate, they're going to have to continue to man those positions as they go back, and they're just kind of leapfrogging their way back. This makes but they're going to move so those troops. I was kind of right with my assessment that could possibly be having, be, they're, they're going to be forced to possibly do. But they don't want to do that. So they're pushing up to hold that terrain. Okay. And how I talked before about, uh, you know, the assault that's going on up in the north near Kupiansk. Yeah. That I was diving so damn deep into Kupians this morning that like I could not remember Robotny. That's how wild I got into. Oh this. wow, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious. So what? So what's the, what's the significance behind Kupiansk? So Kupiansk, Kupiansk is Russia's attempt to divert Ukrainian forces away from their current front line. So it seems Russia, like too far to divert, though. Yeah, you, you, would you know, you would you would think that, that except for the actual significance of Kupiansk itself having yeah. a direct okay. rail line into into Russia, which Ukraine destroyed, you know, a long time ago, whatever. But Kupiansk is very of of like a lot of strategic importance to the Ukrainians and to Russia. And so, if Russia is able to like push in and actually start to put more pressure on Kupiansk, it's going to force the Ukrainians to send more troops up there. It's going to force them to do it. But they, can they you know, just pull from a different area though? Yeah, that's exactly the point. No, I'm talking about an area that's not on the front. I'm talking like reserves from a unit that's sitting in Lviv or sitting somewhere like just, you know, like just chilling, just like, yo, we're waiting to go. So Because we know they have those. They yeah, have we, those. we know they have like additional troops that are hanging out off in the back. But the question is, is how many are actually battle ready and ready to go? Because Kiev's been very like quiet about the amount of. Which they probably should be. Yeah, they've been extremely quiet about the amount of troops that have actually been KIA. So is Russia. And you want, dude? You want to see something wild that I found? Yeah, like kinda. before we get into this, I wanna, gonna, yeah, I want to show this to you, and we'll we'll blow it up on the screen for people. But this is it's a little bit of an older video, and I've been holding on to it because I didn't really have a reason to show it up until now. I was saving this for 
Um, I did a deep dive trying to figure out the amount of Russians that have been KIA and the amount of Ukrainians that have been KIA. And I came across a couple different videos. I was looking for the one in the Ukrainian cemetery, but I found this one of a Russian cemetery. Check this out. This is, this is, I, I forget where I, I took this from and I don't have it pulled up right now. Have you seen this before? Uh, I think this might've been, is this in Bakhmut? I have no idea where this was taken. Okay. But I know I, I've seen, I've actually seen a few of these. I saw one with a uh, Prigozhin who was, yeah. Wow. That is, the, yeah. It, wow. Uh, apparently this is inside Russian territory, but. I mean, I have no idea. It's kind of hard to tell, but my God. Either yeah. way, that's still a lot of. <clears throat> well. It's one thing when you hear, look at that, look how far back that goes. It's one thing when you hear, and look, they're still digging. It's one thing when you hear the numbers of the amount of troops that have been KIA. It's another thing to actually see stuff like that, you know, to actually like put it in perspective. Yeah, put it in perspective. So what I did was I pulled up, <coughs> I pulled up the deep. <laughs> Hold on. I've got my World War II piece for you today. Oh, no, I've got you on World War II. Oh, dang, I was going to say, I have put a perspective when you go to the beaches and you go look at the, the men that weren't shipped home. Right. That's crazy. Right. That's perspective. That's wild. Right. And those are the ones that weren't shipped home. Right. So my, no, just, my World War II perspective for you is, I think what we might be seeing is a little bit of like a Battle of the Bulge style thing where you're taking really? certain that's amounts of troops. Gonna, that's what you're going to throw Okay. Yeah, I think you're taking certain amounts of troops and plugging areas and moving them around, and it's just making it kind of hard, and you know, to to make advancements in certain areas with all the different lines of defense that are setting up there. The throwing forces where where they can, and they're kind of spread out thin in other areas. Did you know I took a a pine cone from there? No, that's pretty cool. I have a pine cone from the trench or the excuse me the uh, the bunk or no the um, oh my god. They're not bunk. What what what, what, what I'm saying say foxholes. Foxholes. Yeah, I took I took a pine cone from the foxholes. Yeah. On uh That's wild. Yeah, it's in my back. I mean, it's inside of a little shadow. <coughs> That's anyway. absolutely wild. <laughs> Keep going. I'm sorry. I I, I just uh, my my addiction with War 2 is is I know. All right. It's it's up there. <laughs> Everybody does. So, so there's an article from the Kiev Post. All right, that just posted yesterday. And the Kiev Post article is titled uh, Ukrainians complicated situation in Kupiansk tells a different tale. All right, so the article from August 17th, it states, the enemy is trying to break through the defenses of our troops every day in different directions with assault squads constantly maintaining, uh, constantly, consistently mainly of convicts. So what you were talking about, about the convicts being up there, 100%. But, you know, talking about Kupiansk, correct? Yeah, we're talking about Kupiansk with the aim of blockading and then capturing Kupiansk. Further in the article, it states uh, from Michael Clark, who's a military expert and former head of the Royal United Services Institute, um, Russia's offensive actions in this area is the only part of the front lines where Moscow is showing any sort of strategic innovation. He added that there is a kind of symmetry here between what the Ukrainians are doing in Kyrgyzstan and trying to do to give the Russians something else to worry about for their West. So he's substantiating saying that that essentially what I was talking about is true, that the Russians are attempting to draw forces from Ukraine. So the Ukrainian forces that are down in the south that are pushing hard is putting a draw on everybody out in Kyrgyzstan. So what the Russians are doing is they're attempting to go and assault Kupiansk in order to draw Ukrainian troops from that front line and bring them up north in order to hold some terrain. So they're giving them something to fight other than what they want to take. Hmm. Does that make sense yeah, to you? Because of how yeah. like strategically important it is. And so the, the Russians are making that assault in order to do that. Now, looking at deeper and going in a little bit more, uh, Russia, 
so to substantiate this a little bit, like what are Russians saying about it? So I found, I know everybody loves the the Russian commentators for some reason on this damn channel. Uh, it's because we've done a lot over the over the last year and a half with those guys. What, what, so I, I found I some Russian commentators. Is it my, specifically is it my speaking, main guy? I hope it's my main guy. I don't know your main guy, man. Oh, you don't know when I was guy? gone, it's not. I wasn't following the channel when you were gone. So. Slovinov. Oh, oh God. You, say his name? You, you can tell me. You probably know who this guy is, but I know who they all are. They're, <laughs> they are specifically talking about Kupiansk Good, and, see, and what Russia is. wants to do with it. Let's see who this guy is. I'm excited to watch it. Let's see what it is. Oh, we're on this channel. What these, is this? these guys. Well, these are these are where the psychos lay. You're good. Keep going. These guys are all crazy. All right. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> I already know where this is going. Here we go. Uh, this is exciting. Let me know uh, read this. I like to read this. Uh, I will summarize your words. Our offensive in the uh, Kupiansk direction is an attempt to cut the Kharkov supply routes to the armed forces. The fact is that the Cuban direction is now perhaps the only part of the front. Where troops are conducting successful offensive actions. Okay. Let them be not large-scale, but already offensive. But here I want to note one point. They will not give up Kupiansk just yet. Neither Kupiansk nor Izium, they will hold on with their teeth for these most important and operational and tactical. And if you want in strategic relations, this agglomeration of yeah, Kupiansk and, <laughs> and Izium, all three of those, they're Kita Harkov. The yeah, 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 right? Hmm. Now, as they continue to talk, like, essentially what they're going to say is they're not going to give this up and they're going to continue to fight. Right? They're, they're continuing to fight for that. And they're, they're not going to let it go because they know of the strategic importance they're going to commit it. Okay, now, so if, those are the guys, just so you're aware, those guys have probably the most open news network in Russia. Oh, that's great. So they allow people with different views to come on there and talk, but the main host views are clearly more um, Soviet-esque. So when someone comes on there, there's one little guy that's like this tall and mm -hmm. he kind of pipes up every once in a while and they just, he he keep, he, I don't know how he's still alive. I don't know how he hasn't jumped out of a window or somehow or drank some poison because he's, so, he's like always against the war and they allow him on the network talking about it being against the war. He's like one of the most enjoyable guys to watch because he hits him with facts and he's like, you're stupid, Igor. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much how it goes. You're stupid. So, so what I did is I looked at that and I coupled it up with a uh, Washington Post article from yesterday. Are you familiar with that one? Uh, the Washington Post article is titled, U.S. Intelligence Says Ukraine Will Fail to Meet Offensive's Key Goals. This is from the Washington Post? This is from the okay. Washington Post. And the Washington Post is okay. keeping its sources, you know, uh, anonymous because it's, yeah, best it's leaked information. They don't want to lose their sources. But what the Washington Post claims, just in the article, it says the U.S. intelligence community assesses that the Ukrainians' counteroffensive will fail to reach southeastern city of Melitopol. People familiar with the classified forecast told the Washington Post, the grim assessment is based on Russia's brutal proficiency in defending occupied territory through a failing of minefields and trenches and is likely to prompt finger-pointing inside Kiev and western capitals as to why the counteroffensive that saw tens of billions of dollars of Western weapons and military equipment fell short of its goals. Okay, so what they're saying or stating is the minefields have been the biggest issue. <laughs> the minefields are a huge issue. Ukraine isn't able to push and break through them as, well, as effectively I'm, as they would like. What I'm seeing 
and I don't want to be doom and gloom for all the, the guys over on the, the Ukrainian side of things. It was doom and gloom the last last week, the week before, the week before that, and the month before that. Now we're seeing them able to literally spearhead and penetrate through an area that was completely mined up. So was this put together prior to this happening? Where are they spearheading and breaking? I mean, they're they're making incremental they're, territorial gains, they but they're not... They're pretty damn good gains through this, this area in, in, in Robotime. Okay, so here's the problem. All right, so Metal Pool is about 50 miles. That's extremely far. It's about 50 miles from Robotany. Now, the amount of terrain that they've taken in this counteroffensive up there, let's just go over to Deep State. I'll pull this up. I know quick. it's not very much, but we're talking about no, if be, it's completely be, mined. It, it, it matters. It matters when we're talking about their actual ability to move and the attrition rate, the okay. actual attrition rate and their ability to hold on terrain. We talked about it yesterday saying that their ability to push through and hold terrain plus attrition and yep. plus needing troops dropped off in order to hold it because they're they're punching through Russian territory and every major town that they take along that route, they're going to have to hold because it's surrounded by Russians. Russians can come in from any direction. If they're just doing a straight spear, punching straight through, making a corridor, is essentially what they're trying to do to cut them off. But you, you know what? Because Meldapol's got, got all the major MSR intersections running yeah, right through it that's yeah. going to supply... That it's going to supply, uh, it's going to supply Crimea, the Kyrgyzstan front, um, all the way out to the east as well. It's got all the major intersections running through there to get them there. So they have to get down there in order to do it. And they're not going to be able to clear all that terrain down, especially by wintertime to get it. So their best chance is just punching that line straight down and through, right? Okay. So, but hey, hold if, on a sec. I have a public service announcement I have to make. Do it, man. I have I have a public service announcement I have to do. I have to do. I'm sorry, guys. Attention to everybody who is who is a bearded beast. You know, from stubble to Maine, if you guys already know, Manscaped now sells beard products. You heard that correctly. Leaders in below-the-waist grooming has changed the game with their Beard Hedger Pro Kit. I'm telling you guys right now, they took a step further with their brand-new handyman. It's an electric face shaver that's quick and convenient way to achieve clean, shaven look. Whether you guys are looking to sharpen up your neckline or give your face that smooth finish, the handyman has you covered. Go to manscaped.com and use code SPEAK for 20% off and free shipping. It's time to go from 5 o'clock shady to yeah, baby. That's what I'm talking about, guys. Give them a shot. Go check them out. They'll be linked in the very top description. That's manscaped.com and use code SPEAK for 20% off. My big thing, I use the Weed Whacker Pro. I got a lot of nose hairs. I know it sucks. The 2.0 is amazing. No, no nicks, no nothing, no tugs. I also, you know, I, 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 do, I do shave below the waist with them. It feels good. I don't have to worry about my, my tan area getting a little bit of nicks and ticks and bleed. No one likes that. No one likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all those stubble troubles with Manscaped's Beard Hedger. This is the juggernaut that fixing of faces. First off, the cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you guys 20 haircutting lengths with one guard, so no more messy f drawers full of extra add-ons and just nothing. It's just Remember, guys, your face is your first impression, and if you like guys or girls, I don't really care. That's the first thing they're looking at. You need to, you need to get the job done with the Beard Hedger. If you're looking for something I say smoother, Look no further than the Manscaped's new handyman face shaver. You guys got to check him out. The link's at the very top of the description. Telling you. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code SPEAK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code SPEAK. Hit that refresh button with Manscaped. All right. So we're just talking about how far they've actually pushed because you said they're penetrating the lines and they're pushing deep as hell, right? I didn't say they're pushing deep as hell. I but think they're, they're, they're penetrating they're lines. They're penetrating that line. Yes. And you know what? Two lines, matter of fact. Okay. Yeah. So what I did here is I pulled up the deep state map. Okay. All right. So I've got the deep state map pulled up and I, I, I backdated it all. The, I like deep state for this because I can back it up yep. to May. It's really easy to use. So I backed it up. I'm going to pull up the measuring tool. And we're going to start off with where they were on May 1st. And we'll take the southernmost point, which is fair, 
All right, so we'll take, oh, come on, measuring tool. There we go. We'll take the southernmost point here, and we'll go all the way down halfway into Robotnia, where they're currently at. 6.7 kilometers. That's it. What's that? It's two and some change miles or something like that? Uh, 1.62. I can do the math real quick. I think three miles or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not that good of a... Know. Some, it's it's, it's I'll, something like I'll that. I'll tell you exactly how much it is. Three so and a half miles. I don't know. 6.7 divided by 1.62, 4.13 miles. Wow, I was way okay, off. Okay, so four miles since May. That's what they've got okay. on that on that current front. Now, for them to continue that push, if we look... Now, you can't do a base math for them and say, all right, it's going to be, you know, whatever. But if we zoom out on this map a little bit, and we go all the way down, and we start looking, so... There's multiple from that location all the way down to multiple. You're looking at 78 kilometers, 78. So 78. I'm try to this again. How about 30 miles? So we'll subtract the, uh, what do we say? Seven. Yes. So we'll call it 71 clicks from where they're at. Okay, roughly. 71, yeah. Okay. Five by 1.62. They are moving. Well, they've got about 34 miles. To ah, go. I was kind of close. Not really, but I was that's, there. that's a significant amount of terrain. And in between them, lines Tokmak and several other large areas. 70 clicks, dude. 70. That's, that's a substantial amount of terrain for them to, to cover. When you look at the attrition rates that are going on right now, you saw the video yesterday about yeah. how many troops are being wounded. They're losing a lot of armor. To be perfectly honest with you, both them and the Russians are losing a lot of armor. So it's turning into a war of attrition for both these guys. I mean, it's always been a war of attrition, but it's really a war of attrition as Ukraine starts pushing. It's forcing the Russian troops to come up and, and, and push through other so areas. The, the, the article that has this, this whistleblower that came out, what else, what else were they talking about when, with regards to the Russians' ability? Did it talk about that? No, but that's why I pulled up this article here. Okay. So from ISW, ISW put this out in their, their update yesterday. It says... Russian forces have dedicated significant effort, resources, and personnel to hold settlements such as Robotnia, uh, Eurozane, and recent Ukrainian advances in these areas are therefore likely a reflective of a wider degradation of the defending Russian forces. So within that article right there, they're already stating that Russian forces are in decline. They're getting beat up. I didn't throw it in this article, but there's several other ones that I've also found about Russians that are coming out and saying, like, our forces are not happy. Right, that they're having problems. I think it's pretty widely known. So ISW continues to assess that the Russian forces lack significant operational reserves and the intense Russian effort to hold these settlements instead of withdrawing their forces means that Ukrainian forces have likely had to thoroughly degrade Russian units before advancing. Shaping operations. Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. That ISW makes, recently okay. observed Russian forces conduct lateral redeployments of elements of the 7th Guards Airborne Division, so the 7th Vade Bay, uh, from Kyrgyzstan Oblast and possibly from the Donetsk Zaporizhia Oblast border area to the Robotnia area. So they're pulling people from Kyrgyzstan and they're pulling people from further east up over into Robotnia in order to, to bolster their forces there because Ukraine Ukraine had degraded them to that point that they're not able to hold on. Not to mention that Ukraine just moved in that 82nd division a couple days ago and mm -hmm. they're, they're sitting there hammering on them right now. So Russia is trying to hold that at all costs by moving forces into the area. So them moving those troops into that area further suggests that recent Ukrainian advances has significantly degraded the Russian forces that have been defending in western Zaporizhia Oblast without rotation since the start of the counteroffensive. 
The lack of Russian operational reserves means that Russian forces will likely have to reinforce certain areas of the front at the expense of others. Likely weakening Russian defensive lines in aggregate and offering Ukrainian forces opportunities for exploitation. So not on the not on the Robotny front, right? It's not going to give you know, like Ukrainians opportunities on Robotny, but in other places because Russian troops are being pulled from there. So you're saying that they're going to push through Kherson? Is that, is that pretty much what the idea is here? I, it could be that they're drawing troops from Kherson and they're going to launch another offensive coming from there. I mean, it's undetermined at this point what Ukraine's planning on doing, but they have the bulk of their troops. Like I said, that 82nd Brigade's got all of its NATO forces that are, that are you know, the, the NATO-equipped, NATO-trained, like, latest armor and equipment that ends up coming, and that's what they're throwing at them over in Robotne. Hmm. Wow, this is actually really long. I'm sitting here looking at it, too. Yeah. It's, it's, like, really So here it is really right here. Long. This is crazy. Yeah, so even deeper, when we get into it even deeper... Kodovsky's reaching complaint that Russian command failed to send reinforcements to secure exhausted Russian forces defending Eurozone may indicate that Russian command is already making difficult choices about what sectors prioritize as Ukrainian forces advance. Russian forces increasingly appear to have to withdraw to secondary prepared defensive positions without significant support in case of a Ukrainian breakthrough. And the further degradation of Russian forces create opportunities for any Ukrainian breakthrough to be potentially operationally significant. All right, so here's here's probably one of the biggest takeaways, right? Uh, Kodovsky, I believe he's a uh, Russian commander over on the uh, Eurozone front, ended up, he says, his recent complaint that the Russian command failed to send reinforcements to secure exhausted Russian forces defending Eurozone may indicate that Russia's command is already making difficult choices about what sectors prioritize as Russian forces advance. So the Russians have prioritized what's going on in Robotny and chose not to reinforce Eurozone. That's what allowed them to take that the other day. Okay, they had so requested reinforcements up in Eurozone and they weren't given them by Russian command. So they're hold, so in, in the Russians' eyes right now, Robotny, Robotine, is going to be the more important area to hold out other than that northern... Wow, that's kind of, okay. Right. Russia's prioritizing hmm. Robotny. Russia's prioritizing Robotny over the other area. They don't give two craps about it. Or that they had already committed those troops to go to Robotny and they weren't going to redirect them to go to go defend that tiny it's little pretty, village of Eurozone. It's quite far. It's extremely to, far. It, to, to redirect. I mean, you're talking that's pretty significant movement if you're going to move men. And that's the other thing. If Tokmak is really one, is a place that's holding, if, if Tokmak has a significant amount of troops there, it's they so do. much easier for them just to shift them up the road. Go north. Here they it do. is. Go north. Then so, go northeast and drive for the next however long it takes. So you brought that up. So the uh, let me let me let me grab this up here right here because I already pulled the troops at the the command that's in Tokmak. The command that's in Tokmak is the 19th Motor Rifle Division, and it currently has approximately 11,000 personnel in active service. Now this came from a couple of years ago, right? Like of, of what the Russian uh, Russian division actually consisted of, but to staff, it's supposed to have 11,000 personnel. Inside of that division, they have 120 T-72 battle tanks, 330 APCs or infantry fighting vehicles, and 72 self-propelled artillery pieces and 16 MLRS. So they've got a significant amount of personnel and armor within that division. And it's headquartered in Tokmak, which is why it's strategic freaking importance, right? Within that division itself... You've got the 429th Motor Rifle Regiment, 503rd Guards Motor Rifle Regiment, 693rd Guards Motor Rifle Regiment, 292nd, and on and on and on and on and on. It includes MI battalions, military intelligence, signal, chemical, supply, maintenance, and medical. Okay. It's got a ton of shit. So pretty much Talk Mike is, is prepped and ready 
to last God knows how long through the war. Yeah, you would think that, but I could only assume just like in any other war, right? Like that entire division is not just going to be staged in Tokmok, right? But that is probably where it's headquartered. Okay. More than likely assessed as headquartered. When we look at the defenses around there, it kind of says that. So the resources within Tokmok itself, we're talking, I, I wish I wish it was easier, easier for us to have a clear understanding entirely. Hmm. You're looking at it, is it a ma- is it are they have a massive amount of reservists sitting there or the massive amount of reservists sitting down near Bird uh, excuse me uh, Bernyansk? You're, you're you're looking at the division headquarters hanging out in Tokmok. Okay, and that division headquarters controlling those troops for that entire area, going and pushing out. Okay, so Tokmok is going to be the area where they're going to see the insane amount of resistance. They're going to get an insane they, amount of resistance if they're insane. throwing this amount of resistance at yeah, okay. Robotny. That makes more sense because that's why they wouldn't want them to make it all the way down in that area. They're trying to like, oh, we got to plug this gap before before they they can't. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. If if they get their stuff within artillery range of Tokmak, they're going to have a big I mean, the Ukrainians aren't going to have any issues, but the they're going to have issues pushing down. But I'm talking about the Russians going to have mega issues. Dealing with any type of artillery pieces pushing down oh, yeah. in, into range, yeah. artillery range of this. Like we're talking like it right. could get really brutal for them pretty quick. Facts. Okay. So that makes, okay. Now that makes a little bit more sense why they would want to plug this. One, I'm trying to, I'm trying to voice why they would want to plug this why gap. Why is Russia putting so much why attention Why are they trying to plug this gap? gap? If this gap isn't plugged, they get down and becomes an artillery battle once again, or excuse me, artillery battle once again. And they're gonna they're gonna be forced to shift resources. But even then, like with all of that going on, they're gonna have to shift even more stuff away. And then now you have the Kursan front opened up, and they're gonna be able to pull troops okay. away from Kursan in order to defend it. And that opens up for Ukraine and Kursan as relation to where Tokmak's at. That's even closer to Crimea. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. No, you're right. And every single year, we all pledge to save more and spend less. But how are you supposed to do that when you're 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 paying inflated prices every single day for essentials like gas and groceries? You can't just cut those groceries and those purchases out of your budget. You just can't do that. But now, thanks to my 2023 money back hack, you guys can actually get cash back from Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anybody who buys gas, groceries, and dines out. With Upside, I get cash back on every single purchase. It's my secret weapon for staying on track and my saving goals. That's how I do it, guys. To get started, download the free Upside app, use my promo code STTPODCAST, and get an extra 25 cents back for every single gallon on your first tank of gas. Next claim and offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, literally anything. Then you guys pay as usual with your credit or debit card, follow the steps in the app, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards, loyalty programs, you guys can earn three times more cash back with Upside, plus Upside doesn't sell your personal information to third parties. They know that your information is very vital part of, of their trusted relationship with you. Upside users are earning hundreds of dollars every single year. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Hey, Check them out. I, I, I've used them a lot when I drove across country. I like to save a lot of money on fuel because it's very expensive to pull a boat. It's just, why wouldn't you want to use it? It's free cash back, guys. Like, why would you not want to use it? So download the free Upside app and use promo code STTPODCAST to get an extra 25 cents back for every single gallon on your very first tank of gas. That's 25 cents back on every gallon on your first tank of gas using promo code STTPODCAST. Kudovsky, that. The, 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 the Russian commander that yeah. I was just talking about, he's the Vostok battalion commander is who uh, Kodovsky is. Now, he's get he's got more quotes within ISW that are very, very eye-opening that I am surprised this man still has his damn head, like to be perfectly honest with you. And here we go. 
He said that Russia will not be able to topple Ukraine militarily in the near term and that Russian forces are unlikely to easily occupy additional Ukrainian cities, echoing comments Prigozhin made earlier this year. Okay, so the gentleman who's in charge of this area, or what, what area was he in charge of? The same, uh, the same guy? He was the one that was calling for troops to okay, go Okay, so the same Yurizane. guy that was on the... Okay, so he was calling for troops up there in Eurozone. So this guy is now stating that they don't have enough oomph behind them to really do anything else. Right. Okay, so... But... This but, is okay. So you're telling me right now. Just want to just want to make every sure, make sure we're all on the same page. The United States. Some some leaked documents came out stating that they weren't able to sustain. Correct. And now the Russians. Now we have the Russians saying that they're not able to sustain. So the U.S. intelligence service apparently leaked and said that we don't think Ukraine's going to reach the objective of making it to Melitopol. Not so much that they can't sustain, but they're just not going to make it. At the same time, we have all this intel pouring out through ISW and a couple other news sources that are saying Russia is not able to keep up that Russia is being diverting forces up over into, uh, up over into Robotny. Now, do we have any idea what kind of uh, forces these really are? Are we talking about real trained forces? Or yeah. Are we talking about, okay. So we're talking yeah, no, about the yeah, real like guys. legitimate military forces. Okay. These are like not the ones that are up Koopians. dicking around in Koopians. I, I think we're at this talking point, about the can, real we ones. Can, we all can say that yeah. there's really two different, Areas of this military. Yeah, the, the, the area up in Kupiansk, okay. prisoners, stuff like that being yeah. thrown at the battle. Down here, there are formal military forces that are going up going up and attempting to stop Ukraine from reaching Tokmak and, and pushing down a multiple. Okay. Okay. Now, he gets even deeper. And I and at first, I, I, and the reason I found this so significant is from something that came out of Belarus yesterday, and I'm going to touch on that here in a second. Now, Kodosky, he included that Russia will likely have to come to a truce and that Russia may enter a phase of neither peace nor war with Ukraine. Wow, this is really crazy. This is coming out. I don't want to keep cutting you off, but because two days ago, NATO, one of the gentlemen inside of NATO, was telling right. Ukraine, hey, maybe you should say, okay, you can have this land. We're going to get peace, and that's it. Of course, Ukraine told them. Gave him the big middle finger. Just said, you know what? <laughs> that's not going to which we all knew that was the, the, the case. That's going to be their response every time. Okay. Yeah. All right, keep going. I, I'm, okay, I'm just, so. We're just. We're just Piecing this together. So Kodosky suggested that Ukraine would be sufficiently weakened in the state of frozen conflict and that Russia would be able to exert more influence over Ukraine in such a situation that it currently can during the special military operation. So they're better off. What he's saying is that they are better off negotiating with Ukraine than keeping up with this war. That's what he's saying. Wow. Russia's the guy, the, the, the commander. The Vostok battalion commander. Well, you know, he's going to be jumping out a window here very soon. We're drinking some bad tea. There's no way he said that really publicly, did he? They've got really? it linked in all the articles. Oh we can go over God. there and pull it up. See, see that's kind of, okay. Hmm. Or do you think he's just salty for the fact that they did not send the send troops? the troops? Or is he just being honest? I don't, I don't know. It, it, he it could be a, salty because, I mean, he's sitting there. It's like, imagine Nick, if you were on the ground there and you asked for more men because you're getting your absolute teeth kicked in in an area. You'd and they won't send him. You'd be pretty. You'd be pretty. And they tell him Robotny is more important. Yeah, you'd be pretty mad. That's what happened. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's, yeah. that's why that town fell. Because if you if you look at the like, and it makes sense, right? You can you can assess it and you can look, and it makes sense because that area fell, not Stary Morsk, right? But that that last town it fell after the Robotny offensive actually kicked into full scale. Okay. So that 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 tracks. What he's saying tracks with what actually happened on the ground. Okay, so it's credible. Maybe maybe it's like really credible. Like maybe this guy is really so, stating that they cannot keep going. I, yeah, and if that wasn't enough to convince you that Russia is kind of in this crap state 
they're they're attempting to divert Ukrainian forces, right? They like Russia's in the north trying to pull Ukrainian forces from the south, trying to divert them. They're moving their own troops up and around Robotny, trying to stop them from getting in, weakening all these other fronts that's allowing Ukraine to make these like incremental gains across these different fronts. Then you've got the Vostok command, the Vostok commander that's coming out and saying that Ukraine's or Russia's SOL and that they they need to start negotiating. They're better off negotiating than if they are to keep up with this operation because over time they're deteriorating. That wasn't enough. If that wasn't enough, is this something that came out of Belarus? Or is it something else? Yeah, I'm pulling up Belarus right now. Because I have no idea what you're about to say. I, I really have no idea. All I know is that the Belarusian stuff is kind of like tapered off, like significantly. We're not really seeing very much coming out of there. So, I mean, we had we had Prigozhin hanging out there for God knows how long. And then everybody thought that Prigozhin was setting up some stuff to... Uh, Take this with a grain of salt because of the source it came from. But okay. I saw this posted on a couple other things as well. So I, f- I think it's credible. Okay. Right? All right, so you know what? If that wasn't if that wasn't the best thing, I'm gonna tell you guys right now. Have you, have you guys been holding out on your your old mattress for way too long? I'm telling you, if you guys are tossing and turning throughout the night and waking up in pain, those are signs it may be time to invest in a new one. I've actually gone through a little bit of a span where I spent a significant amount of money at a chiropractor. I'm gonna tell you guys, I spent sixty five hundred dollars because I was having. I was I was it was sleeping so bad at night, but come to find out it was my mattress. I'm not even kidding you guys. I, I feel a million times better. I highly recommend checking out Ghostbed. I bought one myself. They're a family-owned mattress company that's been making mattresses for over 20 years, and you could feel like you could feel the expert craftsmanship when you guys lie down in one of their beds. It's 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 they did not cut any corner whatsoever. Every mattress in Ghostbed is also lined with they have like this heat wickening material, which I suck and I. I, I just sleep hot. So you stay cool. You sleep well, even on those sweltering summer nights. Plus, you guys can purchase a bed confidently with Ghost Beds. Free shipping and 101 night sleep trial. Most orders ship within 24 hours. So you guys can start sleeping better quickly. And to get your Ghost Bed, hey, go check them out right now. Ghostbed.com forward slash Rob. Use promo code Rob for 40% off site wide. I bought them. You guys check them out as well. Ghostbed.com forward slash Rob and use promo code Rob for 40% off site wide the link at the very top of the description you guys i'm telling you if you have back pain and you you're just struggling go check them out it's worth a shot and it's it's going to make you feel a little bit better i i, I promise you this article is coming out of from al jazeera i the, the information that's within it i've seen in a couple different places and i so i do believe that to be credible okay. because I, it's being cited in a couple different places now this article from al jazeera it's titled putin not pushing belarus to join ukraine war says Lukashenko. Now, it opens up talking about, hey, look, we're not going to tolerate crap if you guys you know, push in, whatever. But next paragraph says, in an online interview published on Thursday, Lukashenko said that he believes Putin had already achieved his goals in Ukraine and that Kiev and Moscow should sit down to negotiations and be ready to discuss all the issues, including the future of Crimea and other Ukrainian territories that Russian claims. Lukashenko. His biggest friend in the area is stating that Russia needs to sit down with Ukraine and negotiate. Okay. So now we have a Russian commander stating that they don't have the forces to actually push through and do anything really crazy. We have NATO stating that it's probably time, hey, to start talking. Then we have Belarus, this guy, whatever you want to call him, the puppet master himself, is now saying, hey, they've already met what they need to do. So, And we have a Russian commander on the ground saying that yeah, Russia they, can't they, sustain. They can't so, so, and we, we have, and on top of that, and on top of that, we have U.S. intelligence that's saying that Ukraine can't keep up. 
that they're not going to make it. So we now have both sides that are in okay, a so good position. Well, my question here is, you know, my statement, and yeah, they're both, both good position to actually sit here and talk and, and make it real, but Putin's not going to want to do it. Zelensky's not going to want to do it. So now you have two guys who are literally, they're not even on the same page, I think. So you have NATO, which is like, yo, stop, because for one, we're tired of funding this thing. That's pretty much what it's going to come down to. 2023 is coming. We've already talked about this 100, 100, 100 times. Or excuse me, 24 is coming. We already know what's happening here in America. Shift is happening. They're making some gains here in the southern region. Now, if, what if, if they're able to, over the next month or so, what if they're able to get halfway towards Tokmark? They're getting within artillery range. Now who has who, who has a little bit of leverage? Neither. We, neither side. Still has no leverage. Yeah, okay. neither, neither side. I mean, it's going to continue to degrade Russian forces, but it's going to also degrade Ukrainian forces. Take that attrition into account. Yeah, attrition, I keep, I keep always leaving that off the table. And Russia... As much as I would hate to say this, they're going to win the war of attrition. They always have in the past. They're going to win it now. They're they going to win it. They have millions and millions and millions more more individuals. Granted, they're not going to be great fighters, clearly, but they have more people. So Now, now this is my thing. With the amount, because you're seeing it pop up in U.S. news articles now, and you're seeing it pop up in NATO, the amount of money that the West has spent keeping Ukraine propped up against Russia. They expect to see results. And they've been pushing so hard, in fact, that I saw a statement come out of uh, Ukraine. And I, I can't remember if it was like the defense minister or whoever the hell said it. But one of the officials in Ukraine was like, if you want to see quicker results, maybe you should join our foreign legion. That's how hard they're pushing on them, that they're getting pissed off and saying things like that. Hmm. Okay. So I think what's going to happen is we uh, now... Ukraine's in a decent position as it is. They're kind of like strung out a little bit. They're they're concentrating. They're pushing. They're doing their 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 business. You know what I mean? As long as the West supplies them with equipment, Dude, I'm seeing. I'm and seeing, the West yeah. is starting to slow down now. Yeah. There was that article that the the U.S. just approved the F-16s. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 no, I didn't even want to bring that up. I know but, the F-16s but they're not going them. to get those until eight months of training has been complete by those pilots. And when did they start that training? Not that long ago. So. And this right here, this is coming out as well. This was actually literally two hours ago. Um, they're talking about the Ukrainian counteroffensive is making in incremental gains, blah, blah, blah. But they're talking about the fact that they, they do believe that there's a chance that they could actually reach and take Tokmok. They really do. That's I, half the battle. I, I do. I, I, so, think about this, Rob. We are contemplating whether or not Ukraine has the ability to take Tokmok. Tokmok's not their primary objective. No, it's not. It's not, I know. I Meltipol is. Yeah, Meltipol would be. And after Meltipol, they still have lots of terrain that they got to worry about after that. And in the meantime, when they cut that line straight down to Meltipol, they're still all, they got to maintain that ground line of communication. Yeah. All the way down there. They have to be capable of maintaining that. So all those reserve troops that you're talking about that Ukraine's holding on to, what do you think they're for? I don't know. Hopefully, when they push through, I'm just hopefully pushing through and maintaining that line. You're right. Multiple is pretty far. Like I, I guess, I guess I'm just over, over. I don't want to say zealous is probably not the word. Over. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just. I just want it to happen. To be honest with you, I just want them to cr to, to push through and crush and crush through Tokmak. But I don't know if that's going to happen so quickly. To be honest with you, there is a massive defensive line that's in between multiple talk Mac and. Have you seen this? This little right here. It's like a big. Mm -hmm. It's a what? What do we call that in the military when you would hit a? Um, oh my god! I know exactly what this is. Oh come on! You know this. This is gonna drive me nuts. An L an L shaped ambush type deal. Yeah. But they've set this up to where they're literally they're literally that's an L shape. Yeah. Mega L shape, but it's not an ambush. Clearly, yeah. Defensive line. 
I did L-shaped ambush. I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I need to be more like you. Well, the, your whole it's life a little is, bit more is... ingrained. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he took it a step further, Lukashenko did, and he okay. said negotiations should begin without preconditions. This is a classic of any diplomacy. I think so. We need to sit down at the negotiating table and discuss everything. And Crimea, Kherson, Zaporizhia, Donetsk, Luhansk, everything there needs to be discussed. Lukashenko, one of Putin's closest allies, whose country borders Ukraine, Russia, and three noted countries, including Poland, said the Russian leader had no reason to involve Belarus directly in the conflict. To involve Belarus, what will that give? Nothing. So Belarus isn't going to back up Putin. Belarus is telling Putin to come to the table. NATO is telling, telling Ukraine they need to come to the table. The U.S., and other Western allies are saying, we want to see results. Ukraine saying, screw you, join the Foreign Legion if you want to see results faster. U.S. Intelligence Service says Ukraine's not going to be able to reach their objective. And the Russian commanders on the ground are saying Russia's hamstrung, that they don't have enough people anywhere to do a damn thing, and that they're concentrating them all in this region. Hmm. I don't know. I think you might be seeing some of the final battles of this conflict, man. No. Oh my God! So you're trying to because tell us what, trying, what, what happens? So, what happens when the West pulls support? I know, I, I get that, but so you're trying to tell us right now that all these, everything that's happened is is now about to come to a halt and it's about to all be ended. That's what it would appear. I don't. It's hard for me to believe. I, I, really, I think I said it last month, and this is the writing is on the wall. I said it last month, and the writing is now on the wall. The U.S. is going to withhold support and force Ukraine to go to the negotiating table. Russia and Putin are in a position to where they have no better option than to go to the negotiating table. So you're telling me right now, everybody at home, that the war inside of Ukraine is over, essentially. Like we're getting no, it's in. definitely not okay. over by <laughs> any means. Like This is going to drag on for months. You know what I mean? If but we know that it's going to drag on for months, and they have F-16s coming that aren't going to be in eight months from now. Why would F-16s aren't, aren't going to change I know they're not the going to change anything, but the thing is, is you could push that narrative that it's going to change stuff. If they had them right now, it probably would change a little bit of stuff in the South or they would get shot out of the sky. Yeah, what happens when they get lost? I don't know. What happens with the 31 tanks they have come and get lost? Because I know they're going to lose 10 of them at least, at minimum. I don't know how long it's going to take to lose. They're going to lose at least. They're going to lose tanks. They're going to lose troops. They're going to lose everything. We still don't know the actual amount of Ukrainian KA. We we have a better estimate on Russians than we do Ukrainians. I don't even think that that could be true. That's why I stopped even talking about it. At the very beginning of the war, I was like, man, this is... I can see you're talking about... Casualty numbers every day because the figures come out. But after I started learning, it's like mm, these numbers are all skewed pretty significantly, depending on where you get them from. Bakhmut. Yeah, I agree with you. I, mean, we get them from I agree with you, but we know they're in the tens of thousands. I would, I would say they're probably you know at least over a hundred grand a piece for UAF and and yes. are you? I I one hundred percent believe that Ukrainians have lost a hundred thousand people. You you might not be wrong. I don't know how they couldn't. They've been in they've been in assaulting mode yeah. and defensive mode. They've been on yeah. both sides. Yeah, and you, you're. You're probably not wrong. I mean, maybe maybe I am. I hope I am, but I don't. But even at so. that, how long can they keep that up? And and how many troops do you think they're going to lose just pushing down and taking multiple? I don't know. I don't. I can't even think of the number off, off the there top was, of my head. There was an estimate that I saw that when the Russians attacked up towards Kupiansk that the Ukrainians lost. And I, and I didn't state it earlier, and I'm stating this before I say this figure because people are going to question it, and I totally, totally agree. Go ahead and question it because I did. That's why I didn't earlier state it. Just in that one battle, that initial push that the Russians made into um, up and around Kubiansk, Ukraine lost over 700 troops. Okay. Well, I mean, that's... KIA or WIA, 700 that seems troops. not unreasonable. That's in one tiny push. And think about how many of those have occurred across the front lines 
in the last 12 months. Yeah, but also how many months there was without any massive sure. casualties. I mean, we're talking, there was probably a six-month period in this war so far where both sides were like, oh, we need to take a deep breath. Like, I, well, that had to happen. Why'd they stop them? They're near Kupiansk and Slovenovs and all that kind of up there. They just stopped. They hit a line. They stopped. Mm-hmm. But they blew through Izium and all that stuff so quick. I They blew through it so quick, I'm, I'm sure myself and everybody else thought, the Russians in the north are getting pushed back to the border. But they sure. hit a defensively held line that they couldn't get through quick. And that's what we're seeing down in the south. Right. And I think it's going to happen over and over again. But I am a believer, and I'm just going to throw this out there, which we're not going to be on the same page. I am a believer that I'm hoping, I guess there's more hopes than anything, which is kind of stupid in war, but that they're going to be able to push through this main line in the southern portion of Robotine, continue on through, make it to the next phase line of defense, or next phase of defensive lines, which is going to be in the outskirts somewhere of Tokmak. I don't know where it's going to be. Okay. It's going to be somewhere. And then we're going to be stuck. And it's, pr- I think we can, I think wintertime, it's going to be another grueling battle, just like Bakhmat to get Tokmak. Wow, Bakhmat, Tokmak. Same deal. I think that's what's going to happen. And then guess what's going to happen? They, and then they, they, think, they might reach Tokmak by wintertime. Springtime, maybe they'll start pushing, pushing beyond Tokmak and going down towards Meldapool. Makes more sense. Yeah, maybe. But at that point, now we're talking about the elections and <sighs> like know. in the U.S. and everybody wanting to cut off supplies. That's going to happen. The uh, writing's on the wall for that. That's going to happen. Do you think so? Hell yes. Man, I, I, I you know, dude, I'm look the, at what happened I'm in. Look at, look up. at you. Look at what happened in Hawaii. I know look at what happened in Hawaii and look at the outrage and people yeah. weren't people weren't pointing and saying you're wasting money in all these other places they're pointing and they're saying I you know. spent over a hundred billion dollars in Ukraine and the best that you can do is one and a half million dollars for U.S. citizens they're I pissed I know I know I, I saw all that I, and we never brought any of that up which I'm sure a lot of people in this 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 they, they know everybody knows about that and it took Biden a little bit too long probably to mention anything about Hawaii he probably should have said something like not say no comment and hop in his truck and he probably should have said something like that. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that happened. There was a bad and, and to be clear, this 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 is not an anti-Ukrainian segment or an no. anti-Russian segment. This is a this is what's being reported. It's yeah. being reported that Ukrainians are getting freaking strung out and that they're not going to have enough supplies to make it, and that Russians are being strung out and they're not going to have enough supplies to make it. Or troops. There was way more on Russia and how like short they are on people. Russia still has to staff all of these locations across yeah, across, yeah. If, if let's let, you know theoretically speaking if you if russia kept that territory there's still like 50,000 people or 100,000 people shy of police officers government officials freaking everything in order to keep up down there yeah that that is that is something that you have to think about especially when the ukrainians push through they don't have to really worry about as much as the russians do cuz the russians really have to maintain order and put that fist down that hammer down like the nazis did Ah, another World War II thing in France. When they pushed through France, they had to throw down the hammer, didn't they not? Right. Had to yes, have, they did. Yeah, they had to have all yes, that. Yes, they did. Curfews and all that kind of stuff. But the Ukrainians pushed back through. It's just like, all right, it's our people. We're going to keep going. Don't, we're not really worried about you guys. Unless they have, of course, saboteurs and people that stay back. Yeah. All right, well, I hope you guys had a good time. I, I, I do enjoy you guys. We'll see you guys here tomorrow the next day. On that, we do love you guys. We're out.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 